um, we've already heard it. I'm, I'm not going to read it for us again. And uh, I just want to spend a very few minutes together just um, asking the question of what it looks like and what it means to live this fruitful life. Now, if you were to change the word fruitful to something like purposeful or significant or fulfilled, then it's very familiar language, actually, for those who wouldn't go to church as well as those who do. To say to somebody, do you want to live a fulfilled life, a purposeful life, a significant life? Do you want to look back at the end of your life and go, that was a good life, a life well lived, a a fruitful life? That language begins to connect. And the question is what it looks like. How do you do it? If you were to wander into Waterstones, or if you want to do it virtually, wander into the appropriate shelf in Amazon, and, uh, and just look at the range of books um, aiming to help you, aiming to help me to live a significant life, or a purposeful life, or a fruitful life, or a fulfilled life, you'd be overwhelmed. You couldn't even begin to read 1% of them um, in your life. It's hard to know where to start. But there's one thing most of them have in common. Not all of them, but most of them have in common, and that's this. That the, the take on it is that the key to being fruitful is within you. The key to being fruitful is within you. That's generally the take that our culture gives to how life should be lived. Be the best you can be. You can be anyone that you choose to be. Don't let anybody hold you back. Be you. As if, if we're going to use the soil metaphor, you are simply actually a seed sitting there waiting just to sort of germinate and sprout and be this wonderful fruitful plant and of course that puts us in a very tight spot because most of us do see within us huge potential and huge possibility and yet we also find ourselves held back in so many different ways we know that we're not the people that we could be or even should be any given day of our lives any given hour of our lives, we know that we're not living that fully fulfilled and fruitful life. There's a huge sense of, of failure, actually, that can come as we read and as we work and maybe as we look back. I mean, if you're like me and you've hit middle age and you're, I, people ask me how old I am and I say I'm halfway to 92. And I say it partly tongue-in-cheek, but partly also because I'm just giving myself a little bit of a nudge in the ribs, halfway to 92. So what have I done with that half? of my life. Is it fruitful? Is it fulfilled? Is it purposeful? What does it look like? The remarkable thing about Jesus's parable is that the implication is that we've got it all wrong or all the wrong way up when it comes to what it is to be fulfilled. See, Jesus seems to be saying here that we're not the seed with a soil. We're not the seed with a soil. And that the key to being fruitful is not so much to find in us all this potential that's just waiting to burst out, but to actually find in us a good soil for this seed to take root and to sprout and to bear fruit. In other words, to get our heads and hearts around the fact that fulfilment, fruitfulness, is a gift to be received rather than giftedness to be achieved. A gift to be received rather than giftedness to be achieved. The heart of it is what we're given and how we receive it, rather than what we achieve somehow for God or for ourselves. 
The, the picture language Jesus is using would have actually been quite familiar to the people first hearing him. They, they were quite used to God using this picture language of planting things and fruitfulness. Um, God's Old Testament, people, uh, Old Testament people, ancient Israel, were described as a, a, a vine that was meant to be fruitful, that was meant to be sort of picked up and planted in a, in a new land that was meant to bear much fruit. And then Jesus comes along and says, actually, I am the vine. Get grafted into me. Become part of what I'm doing. Bear, let me bear fruit in you. They've been quite used to this idea that life is about fruitfulness. They'd have been very used to the picture of the farmer going to sow their seed. We imagine um, very well sort of engineered fields and huge um, tractors with uh, seeds drilling devices and then combine harvests at the end. What they were used to was simply somebody in the fold of their tunic with a sort of a, a lap full of seeds, as it were, going along and simply throwing like this. And uh, they'd have gone right to the edges. There was a good tradition within the Hebrew tradition that you, you sowed right to the edges and therefore you would let those who maybe had much less than you did, didn't have their own fields, they were allowed to come and glean from the edges of your field where you weren't going to harvest but it was a fairly sort of scattergun approach. And so some would fall on the, the trampled ground and would get eaten by the birds. Some would fall amongst the rocks and so wouldn't survive uh, the drought. Some would fall um, uh, where there were a lot of uh, weeds and they were going to get sort of crowded out. They knew what this was about. But what Jesus was saying to them was, what sort of soil are you? Because this seed is the stuff of life itself. This seed that Jesus is talking about, and we find it later in uh, Matthew 13, when his followers are going to him, we don't understand what you're talking about, Jesus. It's a great story, but what do you mean? Verse 19, Jesus says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, the message about the kingdom, this seed is just gospel, which literally means good news. Good news. The seed that God plants in people's lives isn't just a nice idea, It's not a religious way of life. It's not a set of rules that you have to follow. It's not some sort of potential you have to fulfill. This seed he plants is good news. Now, news is something that's happened, isn't it? It's the telling of something that has occurred. That's what news is. Good news is the telling of something really good that has actually happened, that's occurred. I can't just tell you an idea I've got and call it news, but I can tell you that something that's happened, something that is, something that's real. And the good news that Jesus came to give them was the news of God's lived out for them love and life. God's love in Jesus, lived out for them, that was going to be given for them on the cross, that was going to rise to new life. That love of God come as news, come as not just an idea or a theory or some sort of hope or pipe dream, but come as news because it was come in the flesh and blood of Jesus. God's love lived out for you. God's love dying on the cross for you. God's love raised to new life for you. So Jesus says, if you want to live a fruitful life, then you need to have the sort of heart that is good soil to receive that seed, the seed that is the news of God's love for you and for the whole world, the news that is Jesus come and living and dying and rising again for you. There's all sorts of things that spin off from that. 
The first is that very simple challenge. What sort of soil is my heart at the moment? See, this isn't just about the first time we hear about God's good news. Actually, this is every day. God's got seed to sow in our hearts today. There's some seed, I hope, being sown as I speak. There's some seed in the songs we've sung and uh, in the communion service we're going to be part of and in hearing Paul's words um, from Mongolia. There's all sorts of seeds that God is sowing. What sort of state is my heart in today? Is it like a path where it's just going to sit there? I'm just, I'm, my mind's on other things. I'm feeling a bit hard-hearted today, a bit distant. And actually, it's very easy then for God's enemy to just come in and sweep in and scoop it up. Is my heart just very thin? You know, I, God gets a little bit of a way with me, but actually there's not a lot going on down there. I'm not doing a lot of digging and uh, throwing away the stones. I'm maybe not spending much time in prayer or reading God's word or maybe not much time with God's people. And therefore, it's all a bit thin. And therefore, when life gets a bit tougher, when the drought comes, actually the roots haven't gone down very deep. It's very easy then to wander away from God. Or maybe my heart is rather weedy, by which I mean with lots of weeds. There's a lot of other stuff going on in my life. You know, ambition, pride, addictions, anger and bitterness, all sorts of other weeds that get in the way of God's seed bearing fruit. Both the promise and the challenge here is that God's good news in you and in me is given so that it can bear fruit. Whoever you are, whatever your heart is like today, God wants to make your heart really good soil so that you can bear fruit. What does that fruit look like? Well, that fruit can look like what we've just been seeing on the screen in Mongolia. That fruit can look like what your life is tomorrow. You can be bearing fruit in your friendships, in your family life, in your workplace, where you're studying. Because that fruit is actually passing on the good news of God's love to those around you, allowing that seed that's been planted in you to multiply. That's the language that Jesus uses, isn't it? 30, 60, 100-fold. In other words, if I'm bearing fruit, that means that I'm passing on the seeds of God's love to others in the way that I treat them, in the way that I speak to them, in the way that I tell them this news of God's love, in the way that I invite them into being part of his people and his kingdom. That's how my life bears fruit. And the great news is that's for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you feel you've got massive potential or none at all. It doesn't matter if you feel that the first half of your life has been so-so. Actually, when God's seed lands in your heart today, He gives it in order to bear fruit. What fruit are you going to bear? God's kingdom spreads one life at a time. It doesn't spread primarily through organisations. It doesn't spread primarily through programmes. It doesn't spread primarily through single, individual, great people. It spreads one life at a time. God's seed of his love in Jesus planted in each life. And then you and I get to pass that on to others. You and I get to help spread the good news of God's love. It's very simple. It's very profound. It's a wonderful picture. Day by day, you and I can look at our own hearts and ask that simple question. What sort of soil is my heart today? Has it got rather trampled down so that God just has no chance of digging into it? Is it just rather undug and rocky. When the hard times come, am I rather easy just to wilt? 
In which case, do I need to find some ways in which every day I'm digging up those stones, I'm going a bit deeper? Am I going to find a way of spending even just a few minutes each day in prayer? My, um, my uh, training incumbent, my vicar, when I was a curate, um, always loved to say that um, uh, traffic lights were invented by God so that we could pray. Um, and uh, he said, because when you stop at a red traffic light, then you just pray. It's very easy. Don't let your mind go into neutral, just like your car. Pray for somebody. And when you get to the next red traffic light, pray for somebody else. I mean, keep your eyes on the road. Obviously, you don't have to close your eyes to pray. Um, but, but, but pray. Simple things like that of just finding those little points in the day when your mind is otherwise going to go into neutral. Or if you're somebody who commutes and you're on the tube and the, the earphones are in and you're listening to some music, could you choose to spend five minutes of that commute just stopping and praying? Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Actually, radical thought, pray for the people you're going to be sitting next to at work. Pray for your boss. But pray good things for your boss. Uh, pray, for, pray for the people that you're going to interact with. Spend some time digging that ground. That's what prayer helps us to do. It sort of digs up those stones. It goes a bit deeper. It means the roots of God's love in us just got a little bit further down in us. And what if we recognise, on the other hand, that our life is just rather full of weeds? Sometimes we recognise something really specific that's beginning to grow in us and take a rather major part of us. We know it, and you'll know it. You'll be able to recognise it very easily if it becomes something that you devote your time and attention to that you know isn't healthy. It could be all sorts of things. For some of us, it's a, it's an, a thing we can never forgive. It's that, you know, it's that sore that we go back to and pick over again and again. We're really cross about something, really hurt by something. We're really disappointed about something. We're really bitter about something. Actually, in Bible terms, that's a weed that begins to grow up. It begins to suck those resources out of us that otherwise would be there for God's good life to grow from. You know, the only way of dealing with weeds is being quite radical. There's no point just going along and taking a little bit off the top or just going naughty weed or treading on it a bit. You've got to get your, you know, your, your hands dirty. You've got to get the spade out. You've got to get right down to the root. You've got to uproot it. You've got to be radical. If there's something like pride or ambition that has become unhealthily dominant in your life, if there's some pattern that's become quite addictive, if there's something that is beginning to soak up your resources. Be radical. There's no point not, because otherwise what happens is your ground is going to produce fruit, but it's going to be weeds. And we know what happens to weeds in the end. They just go to waste. I don't want my life to be wasted. I'm hoping I'm halfway to a big number. I'm hoping that I'm only halfway, maybe even less than halfway through life, but I might not be. I don't know. But I want each year of my life to count, to be fruitful. I don't want weeds taking up that nourishment. What I want is for my heart to be good soil in which his love poured into us by the spirit of Jesus bears fruit, good fruit that multiplies 30, 60, 100 times. And then you'll see that those seeds planted in other people's lives. You'll see those seeds planted in the lives of your children. You'll see the seeds planted in the lives of your colleagues, your family, your next door neighbour your kids' friends, you'll see those seeds begin to bear fruit themselves. And, as a church, we'll get to see those seeds of love bearing fruit around us, in our local communities, but also in the communities that we help support around the world, whether Mongolia, whether in Bulgaria, 
uh, whether in um, Kenya, all sorts of parts of the world where we see that fruit being born. So we're going to pause, we're going to come to worship in just a moment, and uh, let's simply ask the question of God, what state is my heart in? What sort of soil am I today? And let's ask him to make us soil that bears good fruit. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the love of God that he was and lived and died and rose for us. Thank you for this amazing story of simplicity and yet profound truth. Thank you for the challenge it gives us to live fruitful lives. Thank you for the promise it gives us that we can live fruitful lives. Plant more seeds in us, we pray today, and help us to be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen.